0: If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you.
1: But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I
0: pardon
1: you. Welcome back. We are the Film Drifters. Our show provides film and TV reviews from four friends that make, watch, and love movies. And today I have one of those friends joining me. Kat Loznikova is back. Welcome back.
2: Hey, what's up? It's been a minute, but bands back in town or, or gangs back together? Yes, there, there the you go. goes.
1: That one. Yeah. yeah. We were going to record this episode two weeks ago. We were already had all our notes and then life happens as it always does. And so now we are here and uh, Kat finally just explained to me what it means when Mercury is in retrograde. So hopefully this episode will reach uh, your ears, your car radios, your uh, personal cellular devices in one piece without anything going wrong. Fingers crossed.
2: And pause. And pause? Pause. Like pause. animal pause. Like...
1: Oh. Like your pet's paws, cross those. <laughs> okay, nice one, cat. Just kidding. All right, so today, very excited. We are reviewing two films that hit theaters in April. The first one is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, starring Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage <laughs> and Demi Moore in a little cameo, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. And also, we will be reviewing the film The Northman, starring Alexander Skarsgård, which was a very uh interesting film so I can't wait to hear what Kat has to say about these movies but first things hey, first. Hey
2: Myron before we get to the rundown mm. yes. I have a question for you. Yeah. yeah You did mention that these movies hit the theaters. Did mm-hmm. you see them in theaters?
1: I saw both of them in theaters yes.
2: How was your movie going experience? Any Anything to note? How's the public? Are you happy to be back in the theater? What's
1: oh, I am very happy to be back. Um, I watched Unbearable Way to Massive Talent with my wife, it was my birthday, and that was the movie that I chose to see. She was like, she was like offering to take me to like you know the laugh factory or even go to a concert. I'm just like, I want to watch this movie. She was like, all right cheap date so yeah i watched it with her it was a packed house everyone was laughing had a good time northman was a little weird um i saw it in the middle of the day during like my lunch break i snuck out and uh watched it in a almost empty theater and, and that was a little odd but i mean neither in neither case was it a bad experience what about you
2: i am having really bizarro experiences going back to the theaters it's like I don't know if it's like post pandemic and people don't know how to be around each other anymore, or maybe uh-huh. I'm just going at weird times uh, during one of the films uh, while, and I usually sit back row and the way that my movie theater is set up is that you enter the theater from the back of the house okay, and then you pack in. So I usually sit in the back row and there was a man just standing behind me for the entirety of the trailers that ran and that when the movie started he went to sit down and during that time it's like my mind is racing I can't even calm down I'm like what is going on like why is he just standing behind directly
1: me? behind you
2: yeah like directly behind me arms crossed That's just so watching the trailer standing up and then during another one of the films the guy sat down next to me because someone was in his seat he brought a mass of popcorn maybe an hour in, he decides to go to the bathroom, gets up and his entire pot, bu- bucket just like dumps into my lap and he just kind of like walks off. So that's been my experience. Um, I don't know. It's, it's been interesting.
1: Now you're in Santa Monica, right? Yeah. So w- which theater is this exactly? So I know to avoid it.
2: <laughs> um, it's AMC, I believe it's seven on the promenade.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one well, actually. I think I watched Black Hawk down there back in the day. But uh, yeah, I mean, you get some interesting characters out there on the promenade, right?
2: It's sure very interesting. And I usually go to a matinee hoping to be, um, yeah, you know, like the rush. Yeah. And there they are. Also, what are you thinking of the amount of trailers that are just running?
1: mm? i love trailers but when they're attached when there's like 25 minutes of trailers attached to a three-hour batman movie it, it gets a little so you you go into the theater at like 10 o'clock and then you get home at like two right it's totally crazy. it's yeah.
2: weird like i love trailers as well and it used to be such a great experience going um to see them and now like nothing it's like it's just too much and like yeah. the movies that are um in the trailers are really are really bizarre I don't know yeah, I'm don't... not excited about anything like watching those trailers I'm not excited for anything truly and I know we've talked about the movie Nope coming out like based yeah. on the poster and I was like yeah I don't think it's gonna be it's the one I'm great. gonna see it's still not gonna be the one I see I've seen that trailer so much I do not need to see it
1: okay Okay. But you well, do
2: want to see it.
1: Absolutely. Jordan Peele <laughs> might be my number one favorite filmmaker right now. Hmm. Like realistically. Yeah. Okay. But uh yeah, you know what's funny is there are all these trailers coming out, but it feels like there's not enough movies coming out. So it makes me just ask the question. I'm seeing trailers for all these movies, but like are they even releasing? It just seems like every week there's nothing to watch. There's like an I, event movie maybe once a month, but that's I it. I
2: completely agree. It's like we're giving up 30 minutes of our time on trailers and I'm sorry, Nicole Kidman and-
1: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> You've been Nicole Kidman, yes.
2: And there's nothing I'm excited to see, maybe Top Gun, but like yes. there's nothing coming out that I'm just like, I cannot wait for this.
1: All right, so here's the rundown, first and foremost. Preface here is that Kat chose these topics, uh, which is why we're talking about the Kardashians to start. Kardashians is the most watched Hulu, Hulu premiere in America. I had no idea the old one ended and the new one started. My, my was watching it. No, I actually liked the old one. I'm not going to lie. I'm unashamed to say I watched episodes and enjoyed it. But, I mean, it's like, it's. I heard it was coming to an end, and then, like, they're starting a new series. How is this different? And then so I asked my wife that question. I asked her, how is this different? And she says, oh, they break the fourth wall. And I was like, okay, that's it? And she's like, yeah, I think so. And I was like, okay, so it's pretty much the same thing. So let me ask you this though. I mean, we just said it's the the top premiere for Hulu in America. Is this better, worse, or the same as Keeping Up With The Kardashians?
2: Oh my gosh, it's 100% better. Why? They have made... It's so significantly different. On the surface, maybe it sounds the same, but the changes that they've made um, are very noticeable. First of all, it's shot very much so like a documentary, so it's, it has more of those decisions um, in the sense of them following the family, and there's less contrived story plots when the whole family is together. The all of the sisters have their own separate lives. And then when they do have to, you know, come together, of course, because they're a family, then they do those scenes. And there's a lot more interesting info that comes out that's more, appropriate for the times it used to be we had to wait like almost a year to watch these episodes it seems
1: newer because travis barker i I noticed it's coming up quite a bit
2: yeah not only is he coming up we just watched his proposal and you know they just got married what like yesterday or two days ago so it's it's very it makes the watching experience so much better because you're able to see these stories unfold more in depth and more in real time yeah
1: our show, our podcast needs to be more like the new Kardashians, <laughs> meaning we we got we just got to get, get shit out faster, man. Like, I, I love our, our convos, but it just comes out so damn late. It's like keeping up with the Kardashians. We're going to be like the new Kardashians. That, that's We're what we definitely
2: the new. We're going to be keeping up <laughs> yeah. with the film drifters. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not watching.
1: Uh, as of now, it's hard for me to watch anything. I I think you should give an
2: episode a go and then we can regroup and see if you think that it's well, you deserve that it's like a top watch premiere or show on Hulu right now, because it is pretty great and I'm willing to die on this hill. So come for me, Kardashian haters.
1: I am more than willing to give the show some of my time. Um, Here's what my life is like right now. My wife and I have been talking about watching the same movie for like about the last week and a half, which is the the Channing Tatum, Sandra Bullock movie. But every night we both fall asleep at like 9 p.m. and just don't get to watch anything. But number one on my list is that Sandra Bullock movie. Number two on my list is Bling Empire season two. Must I watched watch that. You did?
2: I thought it was interesting. I know it's not yeah. on our outline. Season, I know. Season one
1: was good. Season one was I loved good. It.
2: I thought season two kind of ends abruptly and I wanted to see more. Yeah. Um, and there's certain characters that are starting to play kind of shady and for cameras, maybe just for more yeah, drama and time, yeah. but I'm obsessed. It's like, I. it's so bad that it's so good. Like I can't get enough of it. Like it's the perfect show to put like your brain on the shelf disconnect and just kind of like not think about anything for a minute. I love so- it.
1: I felt deeply betrayed. I walked in a room and uh, she was watching it. And I was like, what are you watching? And she's like, oh, I'm on watching Bling Empire season two. And I was like, what episode are you on? She said six. I'm like, "Six!" <laughs> it, it felt like she cheated on me. It's like, how dare you watch this without me? And like, yeah, it, it was funny. She was like cracking up about it. But yeah, I, I just, it's like marital infidelity when you are supposed to watch something with your person and they just go on and finish the whole damn season without you.
2: I'm yep. still bitter about that. By I'm the not way. married, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm yeah. familiar with the feeling. Yeah, I'm sure you know what what, what it feels <laughs> what like. <that> feels-
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Tangent, tangent, after tangent, but uh, jumping back on course here, we have a Barbie movie coming out, which uh, you sent me a link for, and I am so excited about it. Greta Gerwig, who directed Little Women as well as Lady Bird, two amazing films, starring Margot Robbie as Barbie, Ryan Gosling as Ken with a few appearances, apparently, with, uh, by Simu Lu and uh, many others. I am so stoked about this. Like Gosling has been walking around with beach blonde hair. Uh, we, the, the link you sent me had a photo from the set, and it just looked totally barbitized. barbitized. I don't know what, what, you would, what you would call it, but the production design looks amazing, and they're hinting at the fact that there's more than meets the eye here. It's not so uh, two-dimensional. I wanted to get your take on this.
2: Well, of course, we don't know yet what it's about. I wonder if they actually still have everything ironed out, you know, if they're like trying to maybe like keep it a secret, but maybe they're still trying to figure out what they want to do with yeah. it. Because one of the most accurate comments that I saw online mm-hmm. and theorizing what you, the plot of the movie would be is... What's it like to be hot and white, which Barbie and Ken yes. are? <laughs> but um, I do think the choice of Margot Robbie to play Barbie is interesting because she does have a little bit of this like darkness twistiness to her. You know, she played Tanya Harding, Night yeah. Tanya, Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn, oh, well. all a little twisted. So I hope she brings some of that.
1: I'm sure she will.
2: And it has to be, because otherwise it's just like, duh, Barbie, you know? So I yeah. hope there's just just some something dark behind that.
1: Yeah, there has to be, right? I mean, it has because... to be,
2: yeah. Because otherwise it's just like bubblegum. And I know uh, Barbie Girl will not be on the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, very good thing. Um, I mean, you cannot make a movie celebrating what it's like to be, like you said, hot and white unless there are some serious like things that are some topics and issues that are gonna be underneath the surface. So I'm just excited to see what those will be.
2: I um, hope it's better than what is it, little women? Because that I could not watch.
1: <laughs> I like little women, but Lady Bird, my
2: Lady number Bird one great. movie
1: of that year. Yeah, yeah.
2: totally, yep. totally. Um so fingers crossed, can't wait next year.
1: Yep. Next year. Cool. Yep, 2023. All right, you'll next. hear
2: us review it in 2024. <laughs>
1: Yes. Yes. Very much. So until Myron gets his ass in gear, we need to start getting this stuff out, guys. We, we, we just got to get it out there. All right. Batman sequel greenlit. What are two things that you want to see in this movie that you maybe did not see in the first one?
2: Okay. I don't know anything about Batman, mm. but what I need to see is more of Zoe Kravitz. And her makeup, which I'm sure we won't see because of the way they parted in the end of the film. I know we got kind of a hint of the Joker, maybe, maybe not, right, in the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. But, God, I love the Batman so much that I hope they're able to top it. Because start to finish, it was perfect and it could have been a perfect standalone like the joker with joaquin phoenix i Mm -hmm. am excited for the sequel i hope maybe it's another dark twisted serial killer story i doubt it will be (laughs) cat's wheelhouse but just everything was on point and costumes i don't want it to go get super costumey super kitschy the way the other films have been I thought everything about this one with Robert Pattinson was just impeccable and more of that and less real comic book Batman, I guess, is what I want to see. What are you excited to see? What are the two things? Because obviously this is straight out of my wheelhouse. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'll I'll have to say three things here. Um, Three things I want to see is I want to see Rob Pattinson's Bruce Wayne have more of a role in the film. For me, I I'm gonna always compare it to the Christian Bale trilogy, but there was a reason why he would use the Bruce Wayne persona in order to, you know, achieve whatever he was trying to to get done. I want to see him now, he, you know, like in the in the Batman, he was a recluse. I want to see him kind of play up that personality and, and kind of see what Rob Pattinson how he would play the Bruce Wayne side because he was in a movie called Cosmopolis where I felt like he he had this certain per- personality. Um, some cockiness, this idea of, of kind of coming off a certain way, but having more underneath the surface. I, I want to see him bring that to this part. So I want to see more of that. Number two, um, I want to see the Batman slash Bruce Wayne character be more active rather than just trying to follow what someone is doing, but actually take strides to maybe even like, you know, circumvent or stop someone's actions, because I didn't really see any of that. He was always just one or two steps behind the joke, uh, the Riddler in the movie. At least that's, a, that's what I felt. Number three, more Zoe Kravitz. Have to see more of her. Um, there are these scenes in the movie where she's just like, just walking down the hall and like chewing bubble gum. And I thought it was just like, damn, that's, she looks badass. She's so sexy. I've never seen someone chew gum better on camera than she did in the Batman her so just as more of
2: Catwoman her- drinking a glass of milk was probably yeah. one of my best, <laughs> most favorite directorial scenes that I have seen. Like, how brilliant. And her, like, she was not, was it Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman? Like, she yeah. did not need to be va-va-voom sexy and be so on the nose. Like, even, like, the two little ears that she had, like, on her beanie, you yeah. know? It's just everything was executed to perfection. And you know what else I loved about the hmm. Batman, which I hope maybe they do more of in the sequel. Um is how I mean it's gonna sound funny because it's not real, but when he flies and falls down and rolls over and picks up and gets going, like I there was, was so it was so <laughs> humane and like I want him to I loved seeing him as like a human being rather than like a superhero. And that's exactly what would happen if you were like as a human being swinging from building to building, you're just like roll over and just get up and walk off. It was just brilliant. Yeah. So I need to see more of those decisions being made. And you know what else? One more, and I swear Mm. I'm going to be done with my tangent. I loved seeing the black eyeliner because we never saw that in any of the other Batman movies. Like what a brilliant decision because once he puts the mask on, we never saw any of the other Batman actors. They was cut away
1: way. to bind the head and then they cut back yeah. and he's wearing, he's,
2: yeah. It's all black and you just don't see it. <laughs> but then like, you know, he has to like black out his eyes. And yeah. it's just like, those subtle stylistic decisions is what made me love the film so, so much. And it's so many things not being right there, right on the nose. Again, I like- think
1: that- yeah that was one of my favorite visuals in this movie when he takes off the mask with his hair all all strewn out. He looked like an anime character with the with it, it just looked amazing. Yeah and, and the fact that he's that not
2: this like hot Christian Bale character that he is kind of like just kind of like an emo Batman. Like I loved it. Like I loved everything about it.
1: Mm. All right. Last movie to talk about here before we get to our, our, our actual main reviews is Elvis. Um, I saw this trailer in the theater, and I got very excited for it. Everyone knows who Elvis is. Um, every movie that's dealt with him, in my opinion, has not been that great, at least the ones that I've seen. Um, having Tom Hanks in the trailer uh, is very interesting. Uh, he plays Elvis's manager, who we all, we have all come to know as was a, not a very nice good or, or a good person interesting i'm very interested to see what he does with that character but what was your take on this uh on this trailer and do you like baz lerman movies as a whole
2: well that's the thing i'm like i loved romeo and juliet yeah. everything after that was a miss for me like the great gatsby i hated it so much like, no like no? to this day i know we've talked uh, about carrie mulligan before and i was like i can't there's some sort of like dislike that I have towards the characters she plays because of her portrayal of Daisy and the great Gatsby it was just it's so odd like I can't she fell even, short yeah it's just maybe she was the wrong person to play that but again I digress so Romeo and Juliet great. The rest, not so much. I do like his stylistic decisions um, and the way he executes his films. They're very much like him. So I like that. I like a director who is so recognizable for their style. I don't know if I'm excited to see this. It's weird because I am into Austin Butler as an actor, I guess, or as a character that we see on the red carpet I guess and I like his style do I think he's the right person to play Elvis I'm not sure because the entire time throughout the trailer I'm just thinking to myself are those like facial prosthetics what's going on is that too much filler like this is not really like Elvis. like that it's like someone playing Elvis like I don't see that him as elvis and that's does that why, make sense
1: yeah and that's why elvis movies have generally not worked because he's such a larger than life character with such iconic songs and who moved and talked differently than anybody else so that someone playing him almost seems like a two-dimensional like caricature of elvis and so that's what it always comes off and that's kind of like what he's doing. Um, You know like priscilla presley i mean normally we when we see biopics about people um the actual people that lived in those persons lives they end up not liking the movie or being critical of it but she loved it uh i mean you know uh, i I don't know how to take that i
2: guess yeah yeah. um i know they all walked the red carpet together for the met gala um yeah the whole oh yeah they they did yeah all of them like um so I guess, yeah, I guess she loved it. But at the same time, I just don't know. What, what are you thinking? Are you seeing this? Are you excited? Yeah, yeah, you, you are. Okay.
1: If I know that this movie is going to come to some streaming service three to four weeks after release, I will probably wait. Yeah, yeah that's how I feel.
2: I don't, like, what, what could they possibly tell us? In the you know, in, I don't know. It's just I feel like we know everything, so it's yeah. just it's just like going. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too critical, but it's like I don't see any newness to that except that it's a story told by Boswell. Yeah, that's exactly.
1: It. Yeah, and, and that's that might be enough, maybe.
2: Yeah, and I just yeah, don't want to get disappointed again because I yeah. feel like again, Greg Gatsby was just such a letdown and that was something i was really excited to see especially yeah. because prod at the costume so yeah
1: i think you should give moulin rouge another shot i, I loved it not because of nicole kidman but because of ewan mcgregor's earnestness in how he played the character but anyway that's neither here nor there at this moment <laughs> that was a rundown on the latest in entertainment news we're gonna have a short break and come back with a review of the film the unbearable weight of massive talent and no it's not a film about me
0: What's the worry here, Nick? You've lost some of your talent as an actor?
1: No. <laughs> what did he
0: say? He says he loves you, but he went in a different direction. I'm done. I'm quitting acting. Tell the trades, it was a tremendous honor to be a part of storytelling and mythmaking. Ah, oh, fuck, man, I'm driving through the hills. I'm sorry, one more time. We got another offer. It's a million bucks. It's to attend a wealthy gentleman's birthday party. I would never do
1: that. It's the easiest gig ever. You play yourself. What do we know about this guy anyway? Is he into something strange? It's not like he's gonna want you to suck his dick or fuck his wife or watch you watch him fuck his wife. I wouldn't think so. Welcome to Mallorca, Mr. Cage. The guy that owns this house, what's his name? Javi. Is Javi gonna want me to, uh... play him Javi. Nick Cage. All right, we are back. That was a trailer for the film *The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent*, starring Nicolas Cage as old Nick Cage and young Nick Cage. This is an action-packed comedy with Nick Cage playing Nick Cage, channeling his iconic characters as he's caught between a super fan played by Pedro Pascal, aka the Mandalorian, and a CIA agent Tiffany Haddish. Now, Kat and I had a little. Uh, uh, Talk before we uh, film this, and uh, before she completely rips this movie apart, I'm going to tell you all why I enjoyed this so much. So, Kat can feel like the the killjoy and the and the rain on the birthday party. So, let me tell you why I like this movie. Uh, I liked it because of the the undertones, the things that it was alluding to, the metaphor um, of how basically we have so much access to celebrities now, and we see more of their lives than ever before. And for the most part, these celebrities have embraced um, that opportunity to connect with their fans. But ironically, Nick Cage, who always had this larger than life personality, and we've heard about all these stories about him, how he went to like a K-town club, married a Korean girl, named his uh, kids Cal, and, and all this stuff. But remarkably, he has avoided talk shows and kind of stayed out of the public eye. But here we have Nick Cage coming off of a a, a critically acclaimed role uh, in where he played the lead in a movie called Pig. He is now in the middle of a career resurgence, and I'm glad he got to make this movie. There's shades of adaptation. In adaptation, of course, uh, Charlie Kaufman wrote a movie about himself writing a book. Here we have Nick Cage playing Nick Cage um, in a movie semi about his life. And I think this all works because of how we saw him in adaptation and also just like I shared, how we feel so connected to these celebrities and even though we may not even really know them. And I think that's what this movie talks about here. We all think we know the people that we encounter, uh, these celebrities. I mean, the Johnny Depp trial is must watch TV. I, I can't look away to be honest with you, but there is still a big difference between who we think these celebrities are and who they actually are and that's where i think this movie kind of steps in here pedro pascal plays someone who may or may not be connected to like a, a criminal organization uh, pays nicholas cage a lot of money to fly to a private island and be there and hang out with him for his birthday and that's where hilarity ensues all sorts of crazy stuff happens i was rolling on the floor laughing Very funny, smart, satirical, lots of little cameos. We see Neil Patrick Harris, which is great. Tiffany Haddish, which was, in my opinion, not so great. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie because I took it as is. I wasn't trying to find any logic in it. I I took it as this is a satire. I get what they're talking about. I'm going to be along for the ride. So Kat, how did you feel about this film?
2: Okay, So they say Hollywood is out of original ideas. This was an original idea.
0: Yes. It
2: definitely was. It was an interesting take on, I guess, pop culture and celebrity um, and movies, actually, because I'll give you three things that I did enjoy about it. I love the acknowledgement of movies and inability to pick your like top favorite films which uh Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage talk about and I think that's absolutely true if you're a film fanatic or you like movies it's very relatable there were some cinematic decisions in it that that were great and you could understand that and really appreciate them if you like movies I loved um that this could have come off as an egotistical self-centered you know role that nick cage Mm -hmm. played like when you play a version of yourself it could have landed very flat and been like wow you're way over your head to play yourself in a film about yourself but not Mm -hmm. really yourself but um I guess he played an internet idea of who he is or like what yeah. we perceive him yeah. as and that's why it kind of like resonated well with me. I'm not yeah. the target audience for this. I don't really love Nick Cage. I don't understand I am the, the target Yip audience deal. for
0: this. yeah. I
2: couldn't understand half of the jokes that res like that relate to his career or the characters that he played. So I couldn't really appreciate that. but I do appreciate his execution of the character that he played that yeah. is himself. It's a
1: caricature of what people think he is.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I loved the bromance. I yeah. loved the bromance story in the film. It was great because, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of love story and like family nuances and other things that we might not get into. But seeing these two guys come together and become these friends and bond over film was really great, like it felt very genuine and I feel like maybe they uh, became really good friends after this, um, yeah. you know, after they shot this.
1: Are you sure you didn't like this movie? Uh-huh. Is, is there is there a strong things. butt coming? Okay, there's a but.
2: So now that I've wrapped up on my three points. But,
1: dot, dot, dot. we go. Yeah.
2: What in the world was that? I am honestly not sure about the CIA plot or why we needed to see it um the jokes that I don't know maybe Tiffany Haddish was brought in for some comedic relief they didn't land
1: I I didn't like her in this movie at
2: all who was her sidekick there's so many layers to this that don't make sense um And then it's just, it does become like multi-layered where we're watching a movie about a movie, in a movie, characters played by characters. And then like Nick Cage who plays himself then plays himself in another movie, right? And then Demi Moore is in it. And it's just like, it was just too much. And it seemed like a lot of ideas just thrown into a blender and spun out. And this is what we got. I mean, I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, again, it is an original idea, but it's not, I'm, I'm the wrong person for, for this film. Like, yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, that's fair. I, I, I get what you're saying. It all worked for me because if they took the CIA whole thing too seriously or the FBI, it doesn't even matter what organization it is. If they took it too seriously, it would not have worked. It was supposed to be silly and ridiculous and not real. Cause that's kind of like how it was they were making fun of the way that those organizations were actually treated back when nicholas cage was making like con air in the rock
2: i do appreciate the length the runtime of this movie <laughs> that was great even less than two trailer. hours
1: which is which is different these days yes. uh
2: that was great um i do have to tell you and I, maybe this does come back full circle when we um, get introduced to Nick's Cage wife. I was like, which wife of Nicholas yeah. Cage is this supposed to be? Because he yeah. was married to Priscilla Presley. I mean, yeah. bring it back to. Rosanna Arcade. Yeah. Korean
1: lady. I, and I now he's name. like
2: married to like a really young girl and they like, like expecting a child or something. Really? Or they had a child. Like, it's bizarre. And I'm like, which one of your wives is this supposed to be? And it's, I guess it's none. Yeah.
1: So. Okay. Uh, but tell me this, there is a scene which normally I would roll my eyes when um, the reason why a scene exists and the reason why it's funny is because two people take drugs and they're, you know, like off the deep end and experiencing just, you know, craziness. But in this movie, it worked. My wife and I were rolling in the aisle laughing. Did you think this was funny or or No. They feel forced,
2: fine, but there were some forced bits to it. Like, oh, like the, the when they're talking about like the two men watching them, and then the men are there again. And yeah, I don't know, there were parts to that small plot line that worked for me. And yes, I, maybe I was laughing at that because the concept of them doing those drugs and driving that car was, I don't know, it's maybe funny, it doesn't sound funny while I recite it, but um. I don't know again there's just like there are parts of it that were hit and there are parts of it that were missed for me yeah
1: so i i actually more than nick cage i really like pedro pascal in this because right. uh yeah i mean we've seen him play these scary characters he was in game of thrones he was in narcos right oh but he here, was in he... our
2: favorite uh, wonder woman too oh yeah yeah
1: yeah you know he said he was channeling nick cage in that role did you know that
2: what in in Wonder, in Wonder Woman?
1: Woman 1984 yeah that it was, wasn't yeah, Trump that was inspiration. he was so
2: Trumpy in that
1: yeah I think his character was inspired by Trump but he, he was channeling Nick Cage that oh. kind of off the wall wildness and stuff like that but I, I thought he was great because to me it, he was just like a 12 year old fanboy boy tra- trapped in a old guy's body and uh, the way he played it I, I thought was perfect it just was what the movie needed. If you took it too seriously, I think the whole movie would have fallen apart. But anyway, I really like this movie.
2: I but- don't care. Not that you liked it. Mm-hmm. I don't care for the movie.
1: Yeah. But from your review, it's it sounds like you're mixed. But I'm mixed, I, I so guess I, not. if
2: we're going to rate it, I'm giving it a yeah. three. I'm just like, okay. neither here nor there. Like, a, like a, again, I'm always good. It's, which is good. It's not. It's like. Favorable it's literally smack in the middle. Am I seeing this again? Probably not. Are there parts of it that I like? Sure. Are there parts about it that I don't like many? So, um, yeah, three. Okay. What'd you give it?
1: I give it four. Um, one of the most enjoyable, um, you know, don't take the movie too seriously. I'm doing my little uh, air quotes here. Type films I've seen in a while with, uh, and and it works if you I feel like if people understand kind of why they made it and why Nick Cage works in it, uh, if you're a fan of his and if you think that connection between us and like celebrities and stuff is just out of control, I think I think you'll like it. Um, yeah, I, I there's nothing that I could say I did not like about this movie other than Tiffany Haddish, but she's barely in the movie, so you know I give it a four. That was our review of the film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. We're going to take a short break and come back with our review of The Northman. Stay tuned.
0: Fate has no mercy.
1: at the trailer for the film the north Men, directed by robert eggers starring alexander skarsgard and everyone's it girl seemingly
2: not mine i
1: just forgot her name
2: nicole taylor joy oh my taylor joy Anya taylor joy swoon nikki kid I'm not so sure
1: Who is nikki kid
2: nicole kidman
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard her call nikki kid in my entire life she is like not a kid anymore <laughs> definitely not a kid anyway She's kid man. Yes. Kid man. Yes. Not kid. She's grown up. She went from a kid boy to a kid man.
2: All right. We are digress.
1: Yes. Definitely digressing here. All right. From visionary director Robert Eggers, who directed a movie called The Lighthouse, as well as The Witch, comes The Northman, an action-filled epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. So you watched this before I did. Um, you said this, there was a lot to digest here and also looked at other sources, including podcasts and internet stuff to kind of inform what you thought about this movie. So let us dive into your brain and, uh, figure out what you thought about this film.
2: Okay. So walking into it, I wasn't sure what to expect, but very quickly, we are told exactly what this film is going to be about, and it's revenge. Um, It's a story that we're all familiar with, um, and obviously um, it's no secret that um, this tale inspired Shakespeare's Hamlet, which then um, inspired Lion King. It's a story of a young, what is a prince, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Who loves his father, has a kingdom, and then the uncle kills the father, you know, I guess marries the mom, wants to be with the mom, and then the kid comes back to avenge. So through, as you're watching it, you know exactly what's going to happen. Like, there is no, there's nothing really that's going to surprise you until everything in the story surprises you. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. oh, the world that they created from mm. the sets, to the costumes, to the dialogue, to right. the sound design. Oh, my agree. God. It's a world that we probably don't understand. It's a world of Vikings and pillaging and extreme violence. It's a world when it's not a good time to be a woman, but probably a very a favorable kid. time to be a witch. Yeah, <laughs> And there it's there's just so much violence and coldness and violence and coldness and yet you walk away and you understand why those characters made the decision and the choices that they made okay you may not agree with them because we're looking at it from our you know suburban life of whatever 2022 that we're in but for that time, in that society, every like everything makes sense. Like you can't judge them. I mean, you're watching this, and some scenes are horrific, and there is a lot of yeah. violence. A lot of violence that we don't even see on camera, but we hear it, and we hear like the gushing of the blood and the crushing of the bones and the burning of a house with children in it. Yes, and that on. was not. And like, yeah. and like, just, it's just, just the violence is so horrific. Unforgiving, but we, yeah. And yet I walked away and I was like, I don't judge any of those characters no? for the actions that they make because of this world that I got to experience.
1: Yeah, it was a filmmaking choice in the way the camera move was very objective. Uh, there was not any sort of fast cutting. And it almost made, it was unmerciful because of the way it was shot and acted and portrayed. Like there's this one long action scene. I remember it's it like just this long dolly shot of the camera moving through a village. And it was meticulously choreographed so that all this stuff was happening. I mean, you weren't seeing any sort of flashy Michael Bay, cam 360 moves. You weren't seeing a lot of cuts. It made you feel like you're an objective witness to an actual raid and uh it that's what i meant when i said it was like unforgiving and and unmerciful in that um it was not cinematic it was brutal it was like you were watching a documentary and you were a fly on the wall watching this you know a takeover of this village actually happening um and the camera was framed in such a way that it didn't choose sides. it's it's just that this is what's happening kids are burning in a in a house and uh You know, we're not doing this to make you hate them. We're just doing this because this is what they did. And uh, just the way it was shot was, I think, a great choice. And it was masterful directing, um, especially in that opening scene. Anyway, back to what you were saying.
2: Oh, no, I think it's all everything you said is just like right on point, because that scene is something that does stand out to me as well.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I mean, just the choreography of it all was so meticulous and they couldn't miss a beat. Otherwise you, you know, it would just be one. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And like you said, it almost felt like um, a documentary, which makes you understand again, why those characters do the things that they do and makes you question, what would you do if you were on either side of that pillage or in that world what would you do if you were in the village where then he ends up or what would you do like there's just so many questions you're like what what would I do in this world would I survive and I absolutely loved it and I I think it's so interesting how in that world that we see what was it like 800 something the year 800 um Something. I can't remember but yeah. um like it's such a bad time to be a woman you're just you're and like it's I guess it's just even a bad time to be alive because yeah, life doesn't much. even have value like they just you know like um in the end we see this horrific scene where this woman this young girl is singing a song and then they just like give her some drugs and then they stab her to death a sacrificial lamb to go off with this like prince I guess that that was just murdered and then there's a horse that was like gutted and and animals are actually a big part of uh of that world as well where Mm -hmm. they're like Like we see so much of wolves and bears and ravens who are characters and horses that are characters. So it was very interesting to see that integration of like the animal kingdom alongside the vast nature of Iceland that we see and alongside of men. Mm -hmm. And they're all kind of like on an even like, I guess, almost even playing field.
1: Right. Right. So I'll tell you why I, what I loved about this movie until it, kind of churned and i was like really bummed out um so this movie to me was masterful filmmaking the story itself was a little bit black and white a little bland but that was okay because the directing and the way they told the story was so perfect and even the whole like concept of what this movie is about they tried to make it as simple and as black and white as possible it's in the trailer right he says avenge my father rescue my mother Kill my uncle. That is what is repeated in his head over and over and over and over again. For him, this journey is very black and white until it turns very, very gray. And I love that idea. So for me, you know, this was a very, like I said, a black and white film, but it worked because I felt like the director was trying to make a very bold statement in that I thought this movie was about what we choose to believe based on limited information And how that drives us to do certain things. And even though later on, when we are told that what we were operating on was not the whole truth, that there were more facts to that, how, you know, instead of saying, oh, I was wrong because we were operating on this, we would rather operate in denial and do make and make mistakes based off of limited information than change our way of thinking. That's what I thought this movie was about and I thought that everything in the movie was leading up to that. In that, you know, we see lots of images and uh hallucinations and you know lots of potentially like communication between, you know, the humans and the gods, right? But the way everything was shot it made me think that oh, I think what the director is saying is that this could still all be in their heads. They could literally just be operating on what they want to hear. Even in that scene where uh, the Northman, Alexander Skarsgård's character, um, he leaves for a bit and then comes back. He's reminded of his vision, and he's told that he needs to go and retrieve this sword in order to carry out his quest. Uh, he goes into like this room, and there's like a skeleton holding the sword. He fights the skeleton, um, and I'm just like, oh, crap, this is kind of cool. And then we realize it was all in his head that the skeleton never actually moved. He was just thinking, like, if it got up, this is what would happen, right? So the whole movie, in my opinion, was about people operating on what they believe and what they think and what how they think things should play out. So, you know, I think we're going to go into spoilers now. Um, Nicole Kimmon plays his father's wife, uh, played by Ethan Hawke. And when she says, no, he was a jerk. I asked his brother to kill him because I couldn't live with this guy anymore, and, you know, the Northmen couldn't live with that. I thought that was fantastic, right? Um, this is great. Like, I- I'm with this this, this extra third layer of the movie. I, I love it. The, th- the part where it all fell apart for me was when, you know, the Northmen um, falls in love with Anya Taylor-Joy's character, and they're making a getaway. And um, he realizes just by, like, kissing her that she is now carrying twins. That I don't know if he meant it to, that ruined the movie for me because it made me feel that, oh, so these visions that everyone's having is real because he couldn't just have a vision of his wife having twins. Now this movie is stating that there is actual magic and this actual supernatural level. And I didn't like that at all. I wanted this movie to stay on that that whole idea that we believe what we want to believe and we will operate on that even if it means, you know,
2: well, that's A lot of that's so shit happening. interesting because magic was so deeply woven into the Viking life right, that right. they themselves couldn't understand or didn't want to differentiate what was real and what was magical. So mm. all of these magical experiences had to feel to them as if though they were happening in, in real life. And that's mm-hmm. why I think I said at the beginning, it was like a bad time to be a woman, but a great time to be a witch. Because if you were a witch, that meant you had that connection with mm-hmm. the divine or whatever spirits mm-hmm. or the gods that they believed in. And that gave you more of ground to stand on in that world. Because okay. whether you're tripping on drugs or you're hallucinating or you're seeing something, it all felt real and i truly believe that the reason why it's woven into the story in such a way is so that we also can understand what a big part magic played in in the in their lives it's almost like religion but on a whole other level where it's part Mm -hmm. of their reality. Like you could be having a trip and be like, oh, I, you know, we can like rationalize it. But back then, you know, it was their reality. Um, So I actually didn't mind it. I did like when I walked down, I was like, okay, that was weird. But the more I sat with it, I was like, okay, this is a world of such brutal violence. There needed to be some sort of light and force And and hope and drive Otherwise, like, why are they all killing each other? And it had to be for something. Mm -hmm. And maybe magic was one of those things.
1: So let me ask you this then. In this movie, is magic real or not real?
2: Okay. It's twofold. Because I'm looking at this film again. I don't want to say as like a documentary. But this is a very... This is as close of accuracy as we'll get to a Viking movie, sure. where it's not like horns and like these costumes and this. It's it's a pretty accurate portrayal of the world, and they studied uh, the Viking history with very smart historians, I guess, to create this world. And to Vikings, magic was real. So, do I think? In this film, this magic is real. I think to every single character in the film, it is real, it is their reality. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. But like yeah. I, as a viewer watching it, I understand, oh, it's a magical thing and my brain can process that. But I also understand that those characters couldn't, that was their reality, whether it's pillaging a village or fighting a skeleton or acting as a wolf and, you know, drinking this like milk or something and seeing um, ravens as some sort of representation of a presence of his father, like all of that is multi-layered and real, you know? Again, I feel like it's all on the even playing fields if that in any way makes sense and I hope it does.
1: No, it makes it makes total sense it's just for me as a viewer i wish i felt like they were portraying magic as if it wasn't real and then at the end that it was real but maybe i mean i would love to ask the director what that scene meant because maybe the magic was in the fact that new life was being formed and that's the true magic of the film um yeah hard to, hard to understand but i was so stoked that like oh this is what the movie is about and then i was like wait it's not about that and then i was like my foundation for how to interpret this movie was a little was a little shook so yeah that that was my only gripe with the film today.
2: okay i have to ask you a question back mm-hmm. to nicole kinman's character i know you mm-hmm. called it out that line she says oh your father was like this terrible person and i was actually laughing when like your uncle carried me through i wasn't screaming and crying and um do you think she was making that up for her Very own possibly. survival? Yeah. Or do you think that was like her reality? Did she actually marry his uncle out of love or out of self-preservation?
1: Yeah. And then she convinced herself well, to now believe mm-hmm. this so that she could live with it. Uh, I and that's a, Once again, I think that once again falls in line with what I thought the movie was about and that we believe these truths in so that we can now live with how we are living and the choices we're making, because otherwise, the real truth is far too much to bear, you know that's
2: yeah a very I,
1: interesting thing for me
2: I still think about that because we're not supposed to know like I don't think we're supposed to know yeah. which way uh, like what her reasoning was for that, and obviously yeah, no, you know, like obviously she had like her new family, her new children, she had to survive, like everything is about survival in. In that world, in that vast landscape of like Iceland, which we see in the end is like is an acting volcano, which, which yeah. I also thought was an interesting color choice. Back to your black and white story, is that in the beginning we see um, Amleth, young Amleth, um, and the whole film is like almost kind of like gray and you know, almost black and white and very muted. But we see him with this like little pop of red cloak maybe he has in the beginning just a little um red in the opening and then in the end, the entire screen is red with this like erupting volcano where yeah. he's you know these two nude men are fighting yeah. each other with this like but- magical sword and then it's we go from every decision was so thought out it's it's imp- it's a beautiful work of art what this movie is by
1: the way did you think in that last scene I, I was just thinking why are the, why are there penises not just flapping about in the silhouetted fight i was like there, were, there there's got to be some penises here right no i was penises?
2: not thinking that uh, i was like how are they just I'm sorry like barefoot just, in uh, this
1: uh, hot I, lava I, I was just thinking ass. where are the penises <laughs> they're 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 fighting naked, and there are no penises flopping about in the silhouette. But that, that's what I was thinking, anyway.
2: No, just swords.
1: All right. like an
2: actual sword. I fight. apparently
1: <laughs> am demented and, and need some help here, but that's where I, that's where my mind went. Like at least a ball sack, at least, and you know, a slight outline of a. All right.
2: Listen, we weren't even see now? violence. We weren't going to see nudity. I'm pretty yeah. sure.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was our review of it from the Northman cat. What do you give it
2: five stars? Uh, this is a perfect. Series? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I am right. dead serious. This is a perfect movie. Again, you walk out of there and you're like, what is this that I just watched? This is like magic and Vikings and violence. And the longer you sit with them, the more you unpack it. It's just perfect. A to B it's It's beautiful. It's very well done. I will be rewatching this maybe a couple more times. What do you give it?
1: I was at a four. I now have it at three and a half. Just because I felt like for me, and this is just my total impartial view of the movie is what I thought it was about was betrayed by one scene. Which is a very awkward scene, which just kind of shifted all of a sudden. All of a sudden, our our main character dives off a boat and swims back to the thing. It it just all played very strange for me. Uh, But that's the
2: prophecy. uh, Yeah. He's gonna have to like he's gonna have to make a choice. Like he was on this path of revenge and he almost walked away from it. And yet, yeah. Listen, that that was his fate.
1: Once again, it's like that idea, like when you believe something you just it's really hard to believe something else and to let yeah, go of it.
2: York yeah. told him he's gonna <laughs> have to get back and be on his path like he got off his path like he was going to go back and avenge his, you know, father and <laughs> save his mother kill his uncle. He grows up and is just so weighted down by what happened like he almost forgets about what he's supposed to do. And then he gets back on the path. And then he almost gets off the path again. Yeah. no the whole purpose of his life was to go back and do what by he- naked on a volcano exactly <laughs> yeah. what uh i cannot believe you're giving this three and a half sorry i'm so disappointed in you and oh, yet you love no. the unbearable weight
1: yeah i like them more <laughs>
2: I you and I like very different movies. For me, it,
1: it it was all about the consistency of what I thought this movie was about, and then all of a sudden at the end, it veered off and just violated it. And to me, that shook the foundations of what I thought this movie was. Okay, that's why I I would have given it a four, which is a very good review.
2: Okay, but yeah. Rates from top from top to bottom: mm. Hamlet, The Northman, and Lion King
1: which Hamlet
2: just Branagh, I don't know the story of I don't know it's all the story of Hamlet I don't know pick one
1: <laughs> uh Lion King is five
2: no uh, I mean North- like an order of favorite to least favorite what's your
1: Lion King Hamlet and the Northman
2: oh no wrong it's the (laughs) northman lion king and then hamlet
1: oh shakespeare is at the bottom of your list i see absolutely
2: (laughs) shakespeare got inspired by this story of the Northmen.
1: that uh yeah i could actually see that yeah
2: lion king nothing beats lion king it's so cute
1: yeah lion king is the best
2: We'll save that for another review. Yes. Okay.
1: That was our episode. We'll be back next week with the review of Doctor Strange 2, as well as the film Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It is our multiverse 2-4, if you will. And we want to also remind you, it's not so much the destination, but the things you watch and experience along the way. Stay safe.